You're listening to the Stephen Wolfram Podcast, an exploration of thoughts and ideas from the founder and CEO of Wolfram Research, creator of Wolfram Alpha and the Wolfram Language. In this ongoing Q&A series, Stephen answers questions from his live stream audience about business and innovation. This session was originally broadcast on May 11th, 2022. Let's have a listen. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of uh, Q&A about business, innovation, and managing life. And I see there are a number of questions saved up here. Uh, I see one from Parmenides. Would you agree that the way you succeed matters a lot in regards to whether you get to enjoy your success or not? That's an interesting question. You know, people's careers have different kinds of rhythms. There are people I know who were like super successful at a very young age. And that can be a sort of multiply edged sword. So, and then there are people who were not successful and really worked incredibly hard for decades and decades and decades and then achieved success. And let's talk about those different rhythms because I think there's some interesting things to say. I mean, one feature of early success is that it can often be almost devastating because you know somebody has achieved great things and it's like, what's the next act? And one of the types of problems is that um, uh, people think, oh, I achieved this great thing. Anything I do next must be at least as big as that thing. That's a very deadly way to think. I mean, I, I could give the example of, uh, uh, yeah, I, I've even written about this. Uh, a physicist I knew named Murray Gellman, who was the person who invented the idea of quarks back in 1962-ish. And he had been kind of in his 20s and early 30s, he was like the top dog of physics. And, you know, he just, he had kind of golden touch. He, you know, he invented things called strangeness, then quarks, and so on. And then he was like, Everything I have to do now has to be at least as big as the things I did before. But it didn't work. It didn't work for the rest of his life. And he kept on trying to uh, sort, of, uh, sort of poke into different areas of science or different areas of, of organizing things in the world. And it was kind of just, just bad to see because it was kind of a, a he always sort of assumed he was on this sort of mountain that of the kind that he'd been able to build with quarks and so on. And uh, it just didn't, didn't work out. And it's kind of like, so I think one of the things uh, for me, that was sort of an educational thing to see because I considered that sort of bad career management, so to speak. You do something great early in life and then everything later has to be at least as big as that. But it, and if you don't make it to be as big as that, then it's a failure. And you know, my point of view is I do things that I think are interesting. I really don't think about whether the things I'm doing, you know, whether, I don't know, whether Wolfram language is going to be bigger than new kind of science or whether uh, something, you know, the, the physics project is going to be bigger than this and that and the other. I don't really know. I don't really care. Um, and, and many, and sometimes, you know, I'll do projects that are uh, things I write, let's say historical pieces and so on where, you know, yeah, if somebody asked me, is that going to be the most important thing you do in, in you know, whatever, the answer is probably no, but that's not kind of a, a calculation that I'm making. The calculation is, is it worth doing? Is it something that I think is interesting? Is it a, a good use of the time I'm going to put into it, rather than how does it stack up against the things that I've already done or, or whatever? So, I mean, I think that's the, the, the sort of the early success thing the main thing you can do with early success is, is kind of, well, one of the important things about, about success is that there's a certain feeling to, uh, oh, yeah, that worked out. So I can do the next thing, and I don't get as afraid that that isn't going to work out. I mean, in my own case, I've been lucky enough that I've had a lot of projects in my life that have worked out. And where there were often things where people would say to me, that's just impossible. That's a crazy idea. You, you know, why do you, why do you think you can do that? That's, that's just, you know, that's just something ridiculous. 
And turns out they worked out. And so that gives me internally a certain confidence that when I think, yeah, I think it's going to work out. And then everybody's telling me, you're crazy. That couldn't possibly work out. It's like, I don't really care. You know, I have enough belief in my own intuition that I'm going to pursue it. Um, and I have that belief in my own intuition because I had the experience and, and I was lucky enough to have a, a rather decent degree of success pretty early in my life, um, which I think gave me a certain degree of confidence to say, yes, I think I know what I'm doing and I'm going to go ahead and do it, even if I'm getting all kinds of feedback that that's a crazy idea. So, you know, I think that's a, a good way to achieve success. Now, I will say another thing, which is that, that uh, you know, some of the things, I don't know, I've been lucky enough now with our physics project, for example, the last couple of years, two or three years, to have a, a sort of pretty big project that's arriving kind of after many decades of other career. And that's kind of nice. It's kind of like, like um, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a thing where to have a sort of later career thing that becomes a big thing is, is neat. Um, and, you know, that's something one might not naturally have because people are like, I've got this groove, I'm in this groove, it's working, I'm gonna keep doing this groove. And um, it's uh, uh, and there's never an, an opportunity for um, uh, for something sort of dramatically different to happen. I mean, look, the other feature of of, of lives and so on is it tends to be the case that that you know you get into something you do well. It takes you a decade to get to do something really well, and then it's like, look, I know how to do this well. Why would I ever do something different? Because I'll be starting at a place where I'm not doing it as well. Now. You know, one thing that breaks out of that for many people is the world changes. So there starts to be an opportunity. You know, who knew that some, you know, blockchain, something or other opportunity that makes use of some core competency that somebody has would suddenly arrive because of the way the world is. And, um, you know, that, that's, a, uh, that's a piece of this, this kind of story. Uh, you know, another issue, which is something that you see in, in uh, companies, things like that, is you know, people will do something, they'll be doing it, they'll be doing it for 15 years. They're doing a pretty decent job, even maybe a good job. But it's kind of all sort of that the, it's kind of become less exciting. And, and the person is kind of, you know, sort of decaying in, in, um, in their excitement about what's going on. They're not really growing what they're doing. But nobody wants to say, let's pull the plug on this. The, you know, the person is like, well, I'm doing this. It's working okay. People are giving me positive feedback about what I'm doing. The company is like, it's working okay. You know, that, that, person, that person isn't particularly zooming up, but we need that function done and we're really happy that person is doing it and so on. And so that's often a challenge of, of can you in sort of mid-career, uh, you know, break out and, um, uh, and, and do something different. I remember years ago, I'm, I'm going to tell a physicist story, a chap who was a, a um, physics, uh, fancy physics professor in England. I, I never thought he was a great physicist, but he gets to age, I don't know, late 40s, early 50s or something. And suddenly turns out he's leaving physics, even though he's had this you know, permanent job and he's been, you know, I think he was the head of the department and all that kind of thing. And um, he's going to go to, uh, um, uh, what is it even called? He, he's going to become a clergyman. And, um, you know, he's, he's going to go into the church. And, you know, my initial, when I was sort of young and first heard that, the first minute was, wow, that's pretty weird. And then I'm like, no, actually, that's a really, what a cool thing for him to do. Because his kind of career in physics had kind of gone, you know, it was blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't going to zoom, sort of zoom to something amazing. And he's going to do something different. And I think he ended up, you know, I think he eventually became a bishop and then he became the head of some college in Cambridge and so on. And he had an interesting, you know, second act, so to speak. That was something that was quite different from what he had done previously. Um, and I think, you know, it takes a certain degree of, of uh, uh, sort of courage to, to do those kinds of things. And um, I would say, oh, I don't know if I can say statistically, but the cases I'm, uh, in many cases where I'm aware of that having happened, it's, it's worked out rather well. Um, I mean, you know, the thing to always avoid is being in a situation where you think what you're doing is kind of easy. Happened to me once. 
in the in the early 80s, I had built my first uh, software system. I started my first company, and I thought uh, I would make a software system that was actually a C interpreter back in, which was something I thought was useful back in like 1984 or so. I thought this is going to be pretty easy. I set up a team and, and do it. I kind of turn the crank. I know what I'm doing. And I didn't put a lot of emotional, you know, I didn't, I didn't really push very hard with it. And it was a flop. I think, you know, I noticed a much a different version of that um, uh, interacting with Steve Jobs when he went and did Next. You know, I remember him even telling me, he said, look, I did the Apple II, I did the Mac, I know what I'm doing, I can do, you know, I can do this computer type thing. But somehow he didn't quite have the, the kind of the, the zeal, the, the push, the, you know, the it's all uncertain, it's really a stretch type thing. And I felt that was a, you know, it wasn't, wasn't particularly successful. I mean, subsequently when, when again, you know, he had something to prove back at Apple and he was doing the iMac and things like that. Then there was a whole dramatic success again. But in this, oh, it's kind of easy, I know what I'm doing thing, you know, that to me, at least with certain kinds of personalities, um, that it's just not a, um, uh, you know, when, when you think it's going to be easy, that's the time when it, it's not going to go so well. And for myself, it's been really you know, I, I continually work on projects where it's like, they're quite difficult. And, you know, occasionally I'll get one where, uh, you know, sometimes the project will turn out to be easier than I expect. And it's like, okay, I know how to do this. I have this, I can do it. Um, and maybe it's a, uh, and there are cases for me where I really have a hard time getting myself to work on projects that are, that are easy. Um, and unless I think I can do it really quickly, I'm like, really, do I want to work on this? You know, I, am I the only person who can do this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you know, having said that, there are examples where, let me give you an example. So I wrote this book five, six years ago called Elementary Introduction to Wolfram Language, which I recommend. I think it's pretty good. Um, but that's a book that fundamentally should be pretty easy for me to write. But I defined a version of it, which was I want it to work for high school kids as well as other people. I want it to have, I want to sort of define the thing to solve various problems that I'd never solved before, that were fresh problems for me. You know, if, if, if it was just like explain Wolfram language, well, I've been building Wolfram language now for 35 years. It's kind of like, that's kind of easy for me to explain it. It's kind of like too easy. But if I define it to be something where there's a piece of that project but it's really quite hard for me that I've never thought about before. I mean, I really like these projects where basically I'm, I'm in it and I realize this isn't a same old, same old, I've thought about this for 30 years. It's a, wait a minute, I've never thought about this before. It's something fresh and new and I can make use of the things that I've done before, but it's something where I'm, I'm kind of, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's fresh territory where I can really, uh, for me at least, that feels good. And I suppose it helps that, uh, I think the original question was about um, um, about success and um, um, uh, and how uh, and how one experiences it. You know, I think it's it, for me. Well, there are a few things to say. I mean, uh, you know, one thing is sometimes people who work with me will be kind of uh, you know there'll be something we'll do it and it'll be you know, we'll figure out something amazing, we'll do something that's amazingly successful. And it's like, I, you know, uh, uh, kind of the implication to me is why aren't you celebrating more? Why isn't that a, you know, well, for me, at least what I found is that, you know, things are difficult, things are, uh, you don't get terribly, oh my gosh, the world's falling down, you know, falling apart and, you know, this is terrible. And similarly, when the thing is successful, you don't go into the, you know, uh, bouncing around and, uh, uh, you know, uh, sort of bouncing with excitement for, for a month or something either. Um, I, you know, for me, at least, it's, it's been, uh, you know, I get kind of a, a, a kind of a, a sort of an internal satisfaction out of things working out well, but it's not, it's not like I'm going to spend a month celebrating type thing. Um, I mean, I think that that, uh, uh, you know, and, and there are, there are, um, uh, I mean, I, th I think 
well, okay, so there, there are other questions about, you know, what it means, the, the um, uh, how you succeed. And, and um, I think, you know, well, I'll say something that perhaps is, uh, I have perhaps, maybe it's just me, a certain sort of puritanical sense of, of, of success of various kinds. If something happens and it's just like, oh, this just drops in your lap and it's like you win the lottery on this thing. And for me, that's very unsatisfying. And for me, when I had to do real work to make something happen and that real work paid off, then that's very satisfying and it's very kind of, uh, you know, it all makes sense to me. There's something perhaps almost disorienting or, or unsatisfactory about, I don't know, any, a lot of these kinds of things like, you know, I don't do very many investments, but occasionally I've, I'll do some. And it's like sometimes, sometimes that's like, by golly, it worked out. And it's like, I didn't make that money. You know, yeah, I, I picked when to, you know, when to buy stock in that company or something. But, you know, for me, that's a very unsatisfactory uh, kind of story. Whereas if it's like, you know, I figured out that strategy, I figured out, you know, we made this product, people bought it, you know, we made money that way. Etc. 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 That for me is much more satisfying than the you know I I just it was just you know it was all it was all luck type thing. I don't know quite I can't quite explain that psychology and I don't know how general that is. Um, but I think the uh, um, uh, that will be a, a, f- a few a few thoughts about that. I mean I kind of feel like there are other um, you know this question about sort of enjoying success. Uh, I mean I think kind of what I was explaining was. That for me, the kind of, oh, something works out. It's, it's like I'm not in the dance around and be excited and sort of experience this success. Rather, for me at least, it's like that's just part of building some tower of confidence and ability to do other things in the world. Like there are plenty of things that I've been able to do that are a consequence of the fact that I've had a, a, enough kind of commercial and financial success to be able to sort of take the next step and invest in the next thing or whatever. Um, or that I've had enough kind of success in the world that I'm well enough networked, so to speak, that I can reach some, you know, to, to do some particular kind of thing that I want to do or whatever else. And I think that that, uh, for me, those, you know, this kind of build the tower of success, so to speak, is, is a very, uh, you know, that to me is a very worthwhile thing, rather than just, oh, you hit the jackpot and you have this one success but it doesn't kind of it doesn't allow you to build anything. So I, I suppose that's a um, uh, uh, you know one of the things I, I will say that that um, uh, you know you, you you run into people from time to time who say I'm going to work really really hard for thirty years, then I'm going to retire and then do what I really want to do, and it's like and that's or I'm going to you know I'm doing this thing that I really can't stand doing. I'm working incredibly hard on it in order that I have enough success. But then I can do the thing I really want to do, and I, and I'm always a bit sad when I hear that because, in a sense, it's like, uh, you know, that's really a, a failure to solve a puzzle. That is, if there's a thing that somebody really really wants to do, and they, you know, the only way that they can see to get there is to have a certain kind of success, then, uh, you know, which they don't, you know, and they don't enjoy the process of getting to that point. That seems like a puzzle not solved. That is, how do you, how, why can't you get to the other side of that and find a way to do the thing you actually enjoy doing and have that be something that can be successful in its own right? Now, you know, I mean, I suppose it, it, it varies. You know, if, you're, if your goal is to, you know, colonize the universe or something with, with spacecraft and you need to have billions of dollars to burn quite literally in, uh, in flying your spacecraft, then perhaps you know, there's only a plan A that involves first you make billions of dollars and then you burn it in your spacecraft. Um, perhaps, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't thought that one through. I don't know if there's, a, if there's a plan B there that doesn't involve the sort of indirect route. But, and, and if you like the, the things that you're doing on the indirect route, then it's all fine anyway. Um, and, uh, uh, but, you know, I think the worst case always is people say, I'm going to work really, really hard and then I'm going to retire and I'm going to do what I want. And uh, then you, then they, but they never did a trial run. And so they finally get to that point and then they're doing the thing that they always want to do. And then in three months, 
It's like, uh, well, actually, even though I worked for 30 years to get to this point, actually, I don't even like it. And it, it's, um, you know, that's always unfortunate to see. Well, anyway, um, there's a question here. Uh, see several interesting ones here from Jordan. How do you mold your environment to create good working habits? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm a person who just concentrates on one thing at a time. So it's like, have my computer. I'm not some. Uh, I'm not. Um, uh, you know, I'm. I'm not listening to music. I'm not doing other things. I'm not. Um, uh, I'm just concentrating on the one thing I'm concentrating on. Now, I will say that that one of the things that's always challenging is, oh, there's email coming in and there's this happening and there's that happening. You have to have, be strong, strong-willed enough. You're just like, I'm going to ignore that. I'm concentrating on this. Let me do this. Let me ignore that other stuff. And, you know, sometimes you're in a situation where there may be things coming in that you actually have to pay attention to because, you know, sort of, uh, you know, fires are burning type thing. Uh, that's sort of a different case. If you're pretty sure that's not going to be true, or if you have some mechanism for the, you know, the fire alarm to circumvent your your kind of, um, you know, just paying attention to one thing. I mean, I tend to, I tend to, you know, one of the things I, I put some effort into is, you know, achieving focus and really ignoring certain kinds of things. Uh, you know, it's it's like you can you can go crazy about certain kinds of things. You know, I don't know. Like I, I never, I don't read things that get written about me. I don't read my Wikipedia entry. Somebody should edit it probably because it's probably terrible. Um, and most people seem to edit their own. I do not. Um, I've never read it. Um, so you know, it's it's um, maybe it's great. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, it's it's the kind of thing where you know you can decide you're not going to pay attention to that, so that you can put your focus somewhere else. And, you know, it takes some strength of will to say, look, I just don't, you know, it just doesn't matter enough to me to go read these things to get all wound up about this or that or whatever else. You know, I will try and, you know, lock those things out. Um, I would say that, I mean, for me, uh, okay, so there are a few things that I've done, which I suppose are little hacks of some sort. You know, something that I I am... Um, uh, kind of a weird habit that I've developed as a result of doing kind of open science and live streaming a lot of things I do is that sometimes when I be working on something, I just switch on screen recording and I know that I'm going to upload this unbelievably boring video of me working on some particular kind of thing. And But I know that my kind of, my sort of allow myself to distract it, be distracted quotient will go down a bit not probably all the way, but down a bit from the fact that, look, I'm recording this. This is a real thing. I'm, you know, this is, I'm leaving a record of what I did here. I'm leaving a record of me getting distracted and doing, doing random other stuff. So for me, that probably slightly increases. If I'm not otherwise as focused on something, that particular thing slightly increases my my kind of stay focused, actually, you know, pay attention to this thing you're doing. And by the way, the same thing is true of meetings that we have where, where we're either live streaming them or recording them or whatever else. Um, you know, I think, I think everybody is just a little bit, not hugely, but a little bit more, more focused as a result of that. Um, I mean, another thing that I've noticed is, you know, I can work, I don't know, I haven't actually measured this. I, this would be an easy thing for me to measure and I should know the answer to this. My impression is that I can work for about 90 minutes, just straight, Tick, 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 doing something, writing something, maybe maybe for writing code and things, it might be a little longer, it might be more, more like two or three hours. I think for writing text, it's probably on the order of, of um, 90 minutes, maybe a little longer, I'm not sure. But then if I keep going beyond that and I don't kind of um, get up and pace around and do this or that thing um, for probably 10 minutes or something, I, I find myself, I, I feel myself kind of getting, you know, fried out, so to speak. And so I've, I've, um, I've kind of embraced the fact that I can't just keep going. The other thing I've noticed is, okay, so 
you know, like when I'm writing things, I really have to get to a stopping point. If I can get myself to a stopping point, if I've got a reasonable amount of momentum, I can get myself to a real stopping point. Sometimes, okay, this is a mistake that I'm, I'm slowly learning to not make. Okay, I've been writing something, I finished some section that I'm writing, it's like it's going incredibly well, um, and I feel like I've got all this momentum, let me start writing the next section. Okay, big mistake. It feels like it's the right thing to do, but I think it's a big mistake, and I'm just sort of relearning this now, not to do this. Because what happens is, yes, you do manage to start rolling up that, that other hill for the next section, but what I find at least is that I don't get very far with it because I really was ready to take a break. Um, and the thing that I've written, the stub that I wrote, is something where when I come back, I really want to be free to just say, let me dig into this and start working on it, rather than, oh, I've got this thing and let me try and adapt this. And what was I thinking when I did that? And I've got to start from that base and so on. It's better to maybe just jot down a few notes or something and then just walk away from it and then know you're going to come back to that particular thing. I mean, I, I have to say that one of the things I've noticed is that, that um, and this is probably a, a personal bad habit, is that um, uh, you know a lot of times when I'm like, take a break, what am I going to do? I'm going to go eat something. And it's like, I'm not really hungry. I'm just doing this because I want to have a thing to do. And so I think the um, it's like, uh, um, it's slowly eat things of, of lower and lower nutritional value, so to speak, just for the sake of having a thing to do when, when one's sort of taking a break, so to speak. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a question here from Parker about what's the best passive way to make money, stock trading, investing, and how stable is it? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big... I'm not a big fan of those kinds of things. I haven't done much of it myself. Look, my, my only principle is about um, stock investing, for example, when there's a company whose products I use and I like them, and the company maybe is not as sort of you know prominent, that's a good thing to invest in. And then I do that and I forget about it. And you know, any years later, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, I happen to make that investment terrific. And then I usually have the strategy when I think, oh, wow, this is as high as it could possibly go. My personal strategy is fairly simplistic, but sell half. And it's like that way you make some money, you're a happy person. If it goes you know, down and goes to nothing, it's like, well, at least I sold that part. If it goes up and goes to the moon, it's like, well, at least I held on to that. And that, that's been a good strategy for me. I, it's it's kind of like it, it removes the a certain degree of, of kind of uh, emotional, like, oh, my God, did I sell too early? Did I sell too late? You know, all those kinds of things. Just when you think you should do it, just sell half and, you know, and move on type thing. I have to say that I, I think, you know, one of the things that tends to happen is there's certain kinds of things one one buys where one says, oh, I'm buying this for an investment. Really? You know, because one will never sell it again, because one ends up with too much of an attachment to it to ever do that. I, maybe this is a personal thing I've had. I'll give you an example, which I didn't buy. This years ago now, I had an opportunity to buy a, um, uh, a copy of Newton's Principia Mathematica book. Okay, so it's a rare book. It was, I forget, it was, I, the asking price was like $150,000, let's say. And it's kind of like, uh, and it's, it's like, oh, this would be a neat thing to own. And then I was like, let me just think about this for a second. Let's say I owned this. Would I ever sell it again? You know, even if it was then worth three times as much, would I sell it? What would be the trigger to get me to say, you know, unless I'm like running out of money and this is my last asset and I've got to sell it, what would my, my trigger for just deciding I'm going to flip it and I'm going to sell it again? No, I'll get way too emotionally invested in it. And, and also, well, for that particular thing, it's like, what am I going to do with it? You know, it's a it's a thing that I'm sort of the 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 keeper of it for this, you know, for these years of history. And, you know, I, I need to make sure nothing happens to it. I'm going to wind up putting it in a safe and I'm never going to look at it. And it's like, why do I own this thing? Um, other than a sort of as an investment, which I'll never sell. So I, I think that these things, there are kinds of things where you you get it and it's such a sort of emotional 
you end up with a, an emotional attachment to it, um, and and it's not um, uh, and, and uh, you know my my own belief is I mean in the in the current state of the world I I have no idea what to invest in it's a very confusing time but you know at the best of times for me personally and again not not necessarily applicable to other people but you know I spend my effort and my sort of intellectual um, sort of horsepower on trying to figure out kind of uh, uh, you know how to build products, invent new science, things like that. You know, build businesses and so on. I really don't want to spend my time thinking about oh, I should move this money from this investment to that one and do all these kinds of things. It's not something that I'm. I'm not any particular expert on that. I you know, you know, and it's not something that I, I. I would like to minimize the time I spend on that. And so for me, it's a better optimization. Spend no time. Don't do anything terribly fancy. You know, try and make sure that you don't uh, don't do something where you're worrying. Oh my gosh, I put all my money in this incredibly risky investment. I'm now putting all this emotional energy into what's going to happen to it. Um, you know, and, and for me personally, it's always been the case that you know, inventing things is a much better way to you know make money than passive investments, which I just have not been very very. Uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't, um, I've not been really, uh, it's not been a thing that I've, I've, uh, I've much studied. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, it, right, it, it's, it's, yes, I mean, people, uh, I see a comment here about, about spending time on, on investing versus other, you know, I, I think it's also true with companies. It's like, there are things you do, and there are things that you just don't worry about, like, for instance, in, I don't know, you know, do you buy the real estate that, you know, do you buy your office building? Do you, you know, if, if you, if it's, it's like, well, are you really in the real estate business or are you in the software business or something? You know, cause it, it, it might be that it's, a, if you get to the point where you're big enough that, you know, buying the building is a trivial amount of money and it's just a pure, you know, calculation of it's better to do that than to spend rent and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then so be it. But at the point where it's a non-trivial kind of um, uh, um, decision that makes a difference to your sort of the financial structure of your company, um, uh, then it's something where, you know, are you, do you really want to be in the real estate business type thing? It's hard enough to just be in, let's say, the software business. Um, and I think that, that that kind of focus is also relevant for uh, uh, for one as an individual, and, and that's certainly the, the point of view that I've taken. Uh, Zayden asks, any thoughts on managing people's personalities on a project? You know, I think at our company, I don't know if it's really true, but I, I have this impression that we have a vast diversity of personalities, much vaster than most companies do. And the one thing that I will say about that is different people have to be managed differently. And I don't know, maybe there are people who manage to have the, I just manage everybody the same way. Certainly not the way I do it. I mean, there are people where they will be, uh, you know, very argumentative and, um, and you'll have to kind of, you know, it'll be a big kind of high aggression type thing. And, and then they'll be like, yeah, and then they really get stuff done. There'll be people who are like super agreeable and like, yes, yes, I'll do it. And then nothing happens. And, you know, you kind of have to know those things about people. And the more you understand about how people, you know, how people operate at that level, the better. And, and there's, I don't think there's any reason to treat everybody the same and interact with everybody the same. And it, it um, uh, that's one thing. Another thing is it's really important to know what people's capabilities actually are. I mean, that's the number one thing that causes projects to derail with people is, you know, you gave so-and-so this thing to do and they just can't get there from here. You know, it's a thing which requires pushing other people to do things and they're just not very good at doing that. It's a thing that requires, uh, you know, well, another, uh, you know, very common problem, maybe particularly in my world is that, that, you know, something is difficult. And the question is, how do people respond to it being difficult and then not being able to figure it out? And, you know, if they come back and they just say, I can't figure this out, fair enough. 
they punt it to you know their manager or whatever else and then let's get the more experienced person to try and figure it out but the worst case is they just loop and they don't get anywhere and it's like months go by and people get more and more annoyed with them and then the whole thing just conflagrates so to speak i mean that's a you know that's a, a bad situation and and you know one of the things that um happens is that people uh, uh you know people say i'm going to get I, i've got it i'm on it i'm going to solve it and the manager or the person thinks yeah okay they're telling me they're on it let me not waste my time digging into that thing it's you know let let me they seem to know what they're talking about let me just trust them the question is to know what the timer you should set for yourself on that is you know if they keep on saying i got it i got it it's going to be worth you know i'm going to get it and three months goes by is that too much time um you know i will tell you an example of something that that just happened to me after all these years of experience and so on uh, it has to do with uh, um some stuff to do with speed of of websites and things it's a it's a you know it's the kind of thing you run a big complicated uh sort of software system and they're going to be issues with you know things you know being as slower than they should be and things like that and i will say that that there are components of the story where i push for literally for years on this should be faster this is etc 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 and there was a a degree of sort of pushback of um and i'm you know i i think i am I'm very low on the on the ranking of CEOs who can be easily bullshitted about those kinds of technical things. But it was a difficult case because the you know the people involved were like very insistent. They had it, they had it, they knew what they were doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the decision for me was, do I push so hard that I break it, basically, that the people are just like like and eventually i I did push really hard and um and in fact found, all kinds of weird things and and interestingly um it's uh, you know often in those situations when when people have sort of done the wrong thing and you push really hard then the good people their response is oops i did the wrong thing uh now i'm happy i'm on the better track let me go and do you know let me go and solve this problem which is what's happened in this particular case um but i think this this whole issue of uh of sort of well okay so that, that that's one question is what do you do with people who are um uh how do you manage different kinds of people and i think you manage them differently is my main my main belief now the next issue is people interacting with each other who are really have a hard time interacting with each other I don't know. I mean, there are cases of that where people just get a view of of each other that's just, you know, that's just kind of one person is convinced somebody else thinks that they're an idiot and they're convinced of this and they they have a belief about what's going on and it's kind of like they just kind of need counseling so to speak to figure out no the person doesn't think that the other person is an idiot and doesn't, you know, does respect their point of view. It's just they don't express that very well. and there really isn't a problem or it's just these are very personality incompatible people and and there's always going to be uh, there's going to be some degree of of horn locking i mean i i know sometimes you know and it happens with people all the time i i am uh um uh i suppose i'm i'm you know sometimes people will misread people they'll think oh this person is very you know can't thinks thinks I'm an idiot that's a very common case and oh look at this email they sent to me they're just you know imperiously telling me this or that thing and they're treating me like I don't understand anything well maybe that's just because that person in their email communication is very formal and very whatever and that might be some cultural thing that might be you know just their habit whatever else it is and if those people actually got on the phone or or actually were in the same room they would be like oh okay now i understand what you're talking about now i understand where you're coming from there really isn't a problem it's just that the mode of communication was such that that they developed this theory about each other that was that was a sort of a a bad theory now i i will say that there are cases i've seen where people just get into a fight with each other 
And one of the sad things I've seen is that, that in my experience, when people fight and it doesn't make any real sense, other than it's a, a sort of, uh, if anything, a personality-induced fight, but it's, it's really just a, you don't really understand why they need to be fighting, so to speak. In my experience, usually both people are gone within six months. And even if you said, well, this person basically is on the right, and you, know, you kind of side with them, even they end up blowing themselves up in some other way within six months. And I think it's, it's you know, there's a certain environment mentality where people are just in this sort of fighting mode. I don't really have a great theory for it, um, but it's something where it seems like when there's, when they're these sort of, they just can't work with work together type things, it's, it's usually a bad sign for both parties, even when it looked like it was really only one of them was was doing the wrong thing, so to speak. Um, I mean, I think that that, um, uh, you know, I have to say in, in one of the things, like in the culture of our particular company, uh, we've got very diverse collection of people with very diverse personalities and backgrounds and so on. And I suppose that probably helps in terms of the fact that the only thing they're really interacting over and they're only that they're necessarily aligned over is we're working on this project together and we want to get this project done. The fact that they're in different parts of the world with different sort of belief systems about this and that and different you know styles of working and so on, those are all sort of irrelevant things. Now, you know, another point about teams and so on is is sort of the how much do you know about kind of what's going on with people and uh, you know there's a certain point of view. Where if people say come to you and say, you know, uh, you know, my cat hurt its paw, and that's you know, and so I'm you know, and there's a whole tale of woe about the cat's paw, so to speak, or this or that or the other, and it's sort of a continual kind of uh, you know, sort of personal details type thing or, or feline details or whatever it is. Um, you know, there's a level of that that is sort of a bad thing to get involved with as a manager. But I have to say that knowing a certain amount about the big things that are going on in people's lives is important in my experience. You don't necessarily have to talk about it, but knowing something about it is important because if you realize, oh my gosh, there's this thing that's happening that is going to put a lot of stress on this person for the next month, let's say, Knowing that, even if you're not talking to them about it, helps you kind of filter your view of what they're actually doing in, in the work that they're doing. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I think that, that that helps save some kind of uh, sort of, you know, misunderstandings of the, you know, why didn't you do this this week? Oh, because some terrible thing happened in my, in my life type thing. Um, uh, there's a question here from Rons. Um, what's your approach when exploring a new topic or learning a new technology, e.g. note-taking, practice, recall, etc.? You know, I'm, I have a pretty good memory, so maybe I'm spoiled. But whenever I've tried to do the, I will memorize this, uh, I, I, I just, it's soulless and I can't do it. And it's just sort of a bad idea. I mean, the only way I really learn things is by wanting to know, wanting to know them. I mean, this let me learn it for the sake of learning it. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I have a really hard time with that. Um, and uh, uh, I suppose, you know, the number of times I've done that, I mean, like, like, for example, I've been learning chemistry recently and I've been thinking I should just wrote, memorize a bunch of things. And I, I just haven't been able to bring myself to do that. Um, and, uh, it, I mean, I think the thing that I tend to do is anything I learn is driven by a particular way that I want to use what I'm learning. That's the only way I find I can really remember things. And then that means that I go through often a slightly weird path. And sometimes that means there are holes in the early parts of the path where it's like, oh, there's a pretty elementary thing about this field that I never learned. Turns out my observation is whenever you're doing a serious project in some area, you're going to cover a large fraction of that area in the end, you know, as you do your homework. And sometimes what happens to me is I'll try and understand the field. This is another point to make. I, I tend to find the history of fields to be very useful to understand in understanding the field. So 
you know, it's like, okay, there's this result, there's this thing, there's this way that things work, might be a technology field, might be something about business even. It's like, oh, people are all doing this. How did they get to do that? What was the background to doing that? And, and that kind of backs you into kind of learning those elementary things about this area. Um, and, uh, you know, so for me, that that's the, you know, first of all, it's like have a thing you're trying to achieve. Second of all, it's kind of like, really focus on what do you need to know to do the thing you're achieving? And then it's like, well, I don't really understand that. Let me go back. I, I suppose I should say another thing, which is for me, you know, I suppose one of the things I'm always very keen on is do I actually understand that? You know, just because I can jump over it doesn't mean I understand it. And I suppose, I think one of the things that probably has been a, an attribute that I've sort of been honing for a long time is the do I actually understand that question? Um, and I suppose it comes in part with a certain degree of confidence because, you know, one might say, oh, I just don't know enough. I'm, you know, I can't expect myself to understand that. And so, you know, the experts say this, I'm just going to assume that I'm going to jump over that. Um, I tend not to do that. I tend to take the rather arrogant, perhaps, point of view, I can understand anything. Don't try and just tell me, you know, trust me, this is how it works. It's like, I want to understand this. Now, sometimes as I'm kind of rushing to get my project done, I don't need to take the time to understand it. But if I'm, if I'm like really trying to build that sort of solid tower of stuff to work in a particular area, it's like, well, wait a minute, let me ask that obvious question. What's the answer to that? And, and very, very often you'll go ask the, the experts, so to speak, and they'll look at you kind of quizzically and say, oh, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. And other times they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's well known. You know, that's sort of high school level of this field. Yeah, the answer is blah. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, I, I was kind of really struck many, many years ago. I was um, at some theoretical computer science conference, I think. And um, I was talking, I, I was some particular area, and I happened to run into the world expert in that area who was... Um, and so I asked him about this thing that was sort of an elementary question. And his immediate response was, oh, yes, of course, we know this. You know, we've been working in this area for 50 years. And it's, you know, of course, we know this. And I'm like, really? How does it work then? You know, let me push a bit harder. And so we push a bit harder. And then we get to the point where he's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how this works. I've never figured it out. How could I have been working in this area for however many decades and not figured it out? And, and in fact, in that particular case, that a person went into a, a, a sort of a, I, I had to really put a big effort to, you know, make him feel better because he was going into kind of a meltdown of how could I have worked in this area for so many decades and not asked that elementary question? And it's like, don't worry about it. This happens to me all the time type thing. Um, and, and it does. I mean, it's, it's, you know, people have a tremendous habit of sort of jumping over things and not asking that sort of foundational question and sort of just, I don't know, they, they, they either, they, they kind of a little bit embarrassed to ask it because it's kind of the obvious question. And I suppose, yeah, particularly when you're, when you're like dealing with experts and things and you think that they're just going to, as that particular individual did at first, just sort of say, oh, no, 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 of course we know about that, you know, we're experts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you have to have the confidence or something to just say, well, wait a minute, can you like, just explain it to me? You know, I'm, I don't know anything about this field, just explain this to me. And, um, uh, and you know, maybe they will, and which is fine. And then you learned that. And then you filled in that gap in your knowledge, or maybe you'll discover actually they didn't even think about this and it's really a gap in that field. Um, and I think the, uh, so, you know, this, can you actually ground what you know? And how do, do you know whether what, you know, I think something I've gradually gotten better at is, do you know if you know it? You know, in other words, do you get to the point where you are, can build things solidly so you don't end up with something where you built this tower and you realize, oh my gosh, I forgot one of the supports at the base of the tower and the whole thing's going to topple over. I, I think it helps writing code, actually, particularly Wolfram language code and you know, sort of high-level computational language code, um, helps in that regard because it is a very unforgiving uh, uh, activity in terms of did you really understand what was going on? If you didn't really understand what was going on, then the thing is going to topple over. It's not, you know, you can't fool the computer, so to speak. You've really got to have 
have that sort of understanding encapsulated there. And I, I think that's a, um, so, you know, I would say in terms of learning things, the, um, uh, uh, you know, usually what happens to me is I'll be learning something I've noticed. I, I um, um, sometimes, you know, you, you go, you read some elementary things and then, then you, you the, the thing that I, that I notice is I learn some new field and I've learned a certain amount of stuff getting towards the thing I want to get to. And then I start talking to people, I start reading more stuff, and then every new thing I look at, it's like, oh my gosh, that's a new thing I never knew about. I never heard of that before. These are terms I've never heard of before. This happens for a while. And then at some point you think, oh my gosh, this field is finally going to defeat me. I'm not going to understand this field. It's too big. It's too complicated. Whatever else, there's too much stuff I don't understand. It's going to take me forever. And then what happens to me is there comes this moment when you realize, I got my arms around this whole thing. And the next thing that you look at, it's like, oh yeah, that fits in here. I know how that works. And, and you then, then it's very rare that you see something. The next thing you look at, it's like, oh yeah, that fits in. I'm not confused anymore. But there's a period of time when, when you know enough that you can go out and look at all these different things and you know you don't know these things, and it's like it's an unending, you know, it's just a, a vast area where there's all these different kinds of things going on. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and there's a certain tendency to say to just drown at that point and give up. Um, I've been through that enough times now that I don't give up because I routinely have found that you get to the other side of that. Um, sometimes it's really useful to me to try and talk to people who are experts in these areas and again, at first, sometimes I'll be talking to them and they'll be, they'll, they'll, you know, we'll, they'll be talking past me because they like, they're using jargon. I just don't know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and as you get to, you know, you eventually get to the point, um, the, uh, uh, that, that, um, um, uh, that, that, you know, you really feel like you understand and, and um, that that's uh, so a, a few comments on, on learning stuff. Um, the comment here from Catalan uh, that they believe a great team makes great product, not great individuals. Have I found this to be true in our products? I, I will have to say not so much. Leadership is really important. You know, having vision usually comes from one person. It may then be communicated to others, but it is, in my experience, comparatively rare that sort of the vision emerges in a collective way. It's usually, now sometimes it will be the case that the you know, leadership will emerge from some place where it wasn't the high level manager, it was you know, just a person who you realize they really get it and they understand how to move it forward. Um, I don't think, I mean, I, you know, the, uh, maybe it depends on what kind of products you're building, but the, um, you know, Okay, so, so there's another dynamic, which is that like you have to figure stuff out like all the time I'm, I'm doing this. It's like, can we figure out how to do this or that thing? That requires a certain kind of brainstorming. And I used to do that primarily on my own. Um, back probably more than 30 years ago, I would say my dominant, okay, how did I do that? My primary form, and it's still, okay. My primary form was, it's me and things I'm writing. It's me and a virtual set of people. That is, the way I figure things out is, you know, I, I try and just jot things down. I just think about them independently myself. And then I kind of try and describe them. And that process of describing them is kind of like a virtual, you know, brainstorming team. And I found that pretty useful. I have to say, probably three quarters of the things I do now I do actually with other people. And what I found is that there are certainly people with whom I do that really well. And where, you know, you're kind of bouncing things back and forth and it's really working. And there are other people where I just can't do that with them. I mean, they're fine people and they do a great job and I can even have a, a lovely personal conversation with them, but I just can't brainstorm with them. And there's a question of, of sort of what does it take? What's the dynamic? And, and by the way, some of those people can brainstorm just fine with other people. It's just not with me. And I think part of the point there is sometimes it's like, are the people sort of enough on the same wavelength that uh, 
you know, you say something and the other person says, oh yeah, I get it. And then they say something else. And then like everybody gets what each other gets as opposed to the kind of the long silences. And then somebody tries to sort of internalize it and it turns to something completely different. Or, I mean, another point is there's a certain, I think people differ in the extent to which they can deal with sort of things that are, that are kind of abstract and not, not necessarily abstract, but, but poorly defined. So for example, in my own case, uh, you know, sometimes when I'll talk to people who do pure mathematics, they'll say, you know, let's define blah, 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 blah. And I'm three definitions in, and it's like, I don't know what the heck is going on. It's like, you've defined this thing, but I don't know what it actually is. And I can't ground it in anything. And I'm just like, what? I don't know what's going on. So for me, I can't brainstorm well. You know, I can see people doing that at a blackboard or something. I don't use a blackboard, but you know, if you're in math, you do. And it's like, you know, it's like, oh, there's this thing and this thing and this thing, consider this and this and this. And it's like, I don't even know whether one of those exists. I don't know what that thing is. And, and I can't do that. Now, what I might do doing the same kind of brainstorming is like, I'll use some analogy. This is like a this and this is a that. And it's, a, it's you know, I, I have some much more, in a sense, qualitative picture of what's going on. And uh, for me, that will be much more concrete. But for, you know, your friendly pure mathematician over there on the other side, it might be, but wait a minute, you didn't define, you know, is this a this or a that? Or does it have a this or a that? And it's like, I don't know. That's a detail. You know, for me, the important thing is this big picture here about, you know, what is the basic structure and how do I analogize it with something else? Whereas for the pure mathematician, it's like, is it this definition or that definition? And it's like, I can't hang on to that. You know, you, you've built a tower a few definitions up and I'm lost. Um, so, you know, people work differently. And I think it works best, in my experience, when you're brainstorming with people who are sort of on the same wavelength as you about things like this, you know, how well-defined does what you're talking about have to be? Um, and, uh, you know, I've certainly found... Uh, the other thing that happens is the degree of confidence of the different people involved. Like if somebody is like, like um, uh, you know, and, and, and you have to, if, if you're the sort of person in charge, so to speak, you really have to sometimes do some work to sort of make the person you're with who's like, no, no, you're the person in charge. I don't want to say anything. I might say something stupid. It's like, don't worry about it. You know, we're trying to solve this problem. Uh, you know, I'm going to say something stupid too. Um, just, uh, you know, let's just try and figure it out, even though we know, because we know we're right at the edge of what we are capable of doing. We know we're going to say stupid things, because that's what it kind of means to be right at the edge. If we'd already figured it out, then it's like we don't need to have this discussion. It's like we're right at the edge. We're grasping at things which don't which aren't yet there. And so some of the things we'll say won't be right. But you have to be at the point where you're sort of psychologically able to have a discussion where people are not sort of holding back. Oh, no, no, let me not say, that. you know, a thing I've seen so many times is you'll be in some discussion with somebody. I even, even happens with me too. And somebody will say, well, this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And somebody will say, well, I have this kind of crazy idea. Turns out that's the one that's really the interesting one. And in a sense, almost by saying, I have this crazy idea and even thinking to yourself, Oh, it's kind of a crazy idea, but now I can kind of release myself to go out and and think about something further further afield, further out of the box. Uh, you know, that ends up being the one that that wins the day, so to speak. And I think that's uh, you know sometimes it's like there's a I've I've um, that's the thing where you where you're not just following that one track, where you've somehow given yourself the license to go outside of that. And I think the point in, in things like brainstorming discussions is you've got to get to the point where people uh, feel like they can suggest the crazy idea. Now, you have to be a little bit careful because there can be people in those discussions where they're just suggesting totally wacky things. And it's like, for me, like people suggest some wacky thing. I really try and think about it, at least the first time, and say, you know, let me think about that because maybe they've come at the problem in a completely different way that I've never thought of. And so, although it seems wacky to me at first, um, it's uh, uh, it's really you know it's really not 
not so wacky and I should pay attention to it. Um, and uh, uh, and then sometimes you realize the person's just off in a wacky corner and everything they're going to say in that meeting is going to be kind of wacky. And it's just like, uh, let's just ignore that and, and uh, go in a different direction. All right. Well, we should probably wrap up here. Um, and uh, um, I have to go and do some day job work, which I think we're also live streaming. It's a, uh, it's a software design discussion. Um, and uh, I better go do that. And, and following things I was saying earlier, I mean, I, you know, when I do these software design discussions, and I'm going to kind of jinx this next one, but, but who knows, I don't even know what it's about. So um, it's uh, whenever I think, ah, this is easy, that's when one makes mistakes and things. Uh, when it's like, wait a minute, this is kind of complicated, I don't see what to do. Those are the places where I both feel more useful because I know I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm kind of running at the speed I can run at type thing rather than just sort of ambling along and, and you know, whatever. Um, it's, uh, you know, those are the, those are the cases where, um, uh, I mean, I, 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 the cases where that isn't, where you think, oh, this is really easy. Those are the cases where, as I've, as I've slowly tried to learn more about myself, those are the cases that really watch because those are the cases where you just sort of, um, uh, you know, something goes wrong. All right, I should wrap up here. And um, thanks for lots of interesting questions. And um, uh, see you another time. You've been listening to the Stephen Wolfram Podcast. You can view the full Q&A series on the Wolfram Research YouTube channel. For more information on Stephen's publications, live coding streams, and this podcast, visit stephenwolfram.com.